The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, day two of the AFL National Draft is underway. We'll bring you up to date with that in a moment. Uh, good evening, everyone. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo for the run home. The boys are back again tomorrow between three and five. Sports Day WA here till six. We'll be speaking to Christina Matthews, the uh, Chief Executive of the West Australian Cricket Association. She's got some interesting news, actually, to share with us. And there's a big game there tomorrow at the WACA ground uh, in the WBBL. We'll touch on that. But also, she'll tell us about the Perth Scorchers in the WBBL. If they get to the final of the competition, the match won't be played and can't be played here at Optus Stadium. She'll tell us why a bit later on in some breaking news. Also, we'll speak to Alex Aparkas, the Perth Glory A-League women's coach, after what was a huge match uh, last weekend, possibly the match of the round and maybe even close to one of the matches of the season, Perth Glory and Melbourne Victory drawing two all. And it was the 100th game for Natasha Rigby, the captain of the Perth Glory. We're going to take uh, our listeners through what led to the 100th game, how the team embraced it and the match itself with the equaliser for the glory coming into six minutes into added time at the end of the match. Alex is going to join us as well. But now for the good oil for Cobram Estate, Premier Australian extra virgin olive oil. He's right across it, Paul Heath, <laughs> uh, my executive producer, is going to bring us up to date with uh, the draft. Uh, day two of the draft. Peter, good evening to you. Peter, thank you for having me. And uh, it's been interesting because we've seen both West Coast and Fremantle involved in pick swaps to uh, sort of swoop in and take players at higher numbers. So uh, we saw Fremantle move up to number 35 to take Cooper Simpson, who's uh, from the Dandenong Stingrays. He's a midfielder. He, they exchanged their pick, uh, with the Tigers at pick 38. Uh, and then the West Coast Eagles came in a little bit later and picked up that pick 38 themselves. So we've seen that one pick go to two different clubs so far. But getting the second round underway was the West Coast. Coast Eagles they had the new ball as they did last night with round one. They took Archer Reed, who's a ruck key forward from the Gippsland Power. Uh, after that, we saw the Brisbane Lions take their first pick as well. Logan Morris, a medium forward defender from the Western Jets. And Geelong have broken some Fremantle hearts out there as well, perhaps showing... Yeah, not the unfairness, but, you know, just the sort of what the WA clubs are up against mm. to not be able to match a bid, perhaps, on an NGA academy. As Fremantle's NGA... Uh, Ruckman, Mitch Edwards, has now gone to Geelong. 206 uh, centimetres. He's, he's, he's a tall lad. You see 203 uh, get picked uh, up earlier. I think Archer, Archer Reid was uh, 203 centimetres. And then you see Mitch come along and 206. And, you know, these guys have still got yeah, a bit of growth in them, mm. right? Are we going to see them tap mm. out about 2.1 metres maybe, something like that? But Mitch Edwards has been, you know, touted as that sort of Tim English type player that can, you know, hit the ruck but also hit up forward as well. St Kilda uh, took Angus Hasty uh, with pick 33. Carlton came through and picked 34 and took Billy Wilson, who's a small defender from Dandenong. You see those places come up so often, don't you? Mm. Dandenong, Geelong's come up a lot. Fremantle with that pick, as we said earlier, they uh, pick swap to move up to Swoop. 
swoop in and take Cooper Simpson, who's a midfielder, again, from Dandenong Stingrays. Uh, that should be a great little pickup for them because that's one of the areas that they do have a bit of a lack of, uh, maybe a wingman, uh, a bit mm. of pace on the outside. Uh, the Cats then came back in with Sean Manor, a small forward uh, midfielder from Werribee. He might have been an overage player there. Uh, Collingwood picked a medium defender from the Gippsland Power, Tujiath, and that was uh, fantastic to see the family getting around him. West Coast Eagles kept it local with pick 38, which they traded up to as well. So they've had their eye on Clay Hall, of course, the uh, son of Derek Hall. Uh, Pete, any memories of watching yeah, Derek I do. get around? I, I remember Derek. He played at West Perth, played at the West Coast Eagles, and also spent some time down there at Peel Thunder, where, of course, Clay's been playing. Mm. So uh, congratulations to him staying at home. Fantastic to see him get picked up and great to see, you know, Harvey brunswick Leshenor get a mention as well in uh, his drafting. So uh, pick 39, we had Luman Lawal, uh, medium defender for the GWE, uh, GWV Rebels uh, from South Warrnambool. Go to the Bombers. Uh, that's been fantastic so far. And we're up to, where are we at? Uh, up to pick 43 at the moment. We've got mm. Richmond on the clock. Uh, we saw Fremantle come through as well with a key defender. Ollie Murphy at pick 41. Sandringham Dragons, uh, East Brighton Vampires. There's a name for a uh, footy team, Pete, <laughs> the Vampires. Uh, I'd love to hear what song they've got. Uh, just before that, the uh, Richmond Tigers picked up Kay McAuliffe as well from North Adelaide. He's a midfielder. And, uh, yeah, we've got... Uh, Pick 42, that was Brisbane. They took Luke Lloyd, who was a forward. And we've got Richmond on the clock at the moment with pick 43. So be interesting to see from here, Pete, how much they do continue to pick. How deep it actually does go. Yeah. Because I was saying, uh, you know, a lot of the managers and people are saying possibly we're looking at uh, 50 to 55. So I reckon we're probably heading towards the... Uh, the ceiling, but we'll see just how deep this draft does go. Just trying to do a quick count and see how many WA players we're up to. So we've got Clay Hall, Mitch Edwards, Lance Collard so far. Um, so that makes it three. Uh, I heard today that the footy commission was hoping for about nine to 12, mm. perhaps from WA. Do you reckon they'll get to about no, that number? No, I, I thought the forecast might be around about uh, six, seven, something like that. Yeah. So where are we sitting at the moment? I think we're up to about five, five right. or six, maybe. Yeah, I'll have to do that uh, count again. But um, interesting uh, news that Mark Duffield mentioned on the run home as well, that the Dockers tried to trade back into the first round to get Colton Tholstrup, mm. not Daniel Curtin, as uh, some had perhaps predicted along the way. Um, well, it's interesting also regarding David Walls, as we know, the list manager for the Fremantle Football Club. Before it got underway tonight, this is what he said on his plan for the Fremantle Dockers. Yeah, we're just working through what's left on our order and, yeah, still confident that we've got eight or nine players that um, we think, yeah, fit the fit the brief and that we really like and excited about bringing in. So, um, yeah, we expect to bring three players in tomorrow that we're really excited about in a few different shapes and sizes. We'll go best available. Um, yeah, there'll be a little bit of list management needs, but yeah, from where they're from, best available. And look, Mitch Edwards is still uh, on the board and available. So we're really hopeful that we can get yeah, tall West Australian in through our uh, NGA. And it didn't happen, no. unfortunately. Yeah, great hopes and dreams, but uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. So they have got two in so far, Fremantle. They've got Cooper Simpson and also Ollie Murphy. So uh, one more, according to Wolsey, perhaps coming up for them. Um, yeah, you would think that they're probably looking for another outside mid, perhaps. Yeah. It's interesting here, Bobby, on the temper at Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. It's just wrong 
how clubs uh, can select and get their NGA players while the rest can't match till pick 40. That's from Bobby. And yeah. he makes a valid point in my it does. opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, you see uh, clubs like the Gold Coast Suns, uh, they have their academy, of course, but they go into the draft confident in their ability to get everyone that's in their academy into their club. Like, they had a photo that was taken up on the Gold Coast, mm. you know, and then they released it on draft night. So as you, you start to look at it and go, oh, hang on, that can't, you know, so they're already ahead of the game with it. But we're all over here playing catch up, waiting for pick 40 to roll around and then we can start to, you know, why do you put the work in? Yeah. Good on you, Paul Heath. We'll get you back a bit later on Thanks, just Pete. to maybe wrap up uh, the draft because, as I said, it's going pretty quickly now. So I think we're probably looking at another <laughs> 10 or so picks, but we'll see how it plays out. For Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. That brings you up to date uh, with the draft as it's rolling along. Uh, Harley Reid was the big story from yesterday and he sent a message to the West Coast Eagles fans. G'day West Coast Eagles fans, Harley Reid here. Um, super stoked to be on board with the West Coast Eagles. Um, I was super grateful and honoured to head over west and enjoy the, the perfect weather. Kicks ass and over here in Victoria, so I came to get across and get in with the West Coast players. Um, we've got a great young core group there and senior boys. We've got a lot of experience there, so can't wait to Get over there and get stuck in. Yo. Yeah, yo, it was. And Ron O'Brien, the head of the list for the West Coast Eagles, was asked on trying to get Dan Curtin and how hard that the West Coast Eagles tried to work on it. We knew we were up against it, trying to get them to take a, a deal where they traded out. But in the end, um, you know, they had probably better deals that kept them in the now, and that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, disappointed for sure. Um, we felt that there was another opportunity to get a really good player, but that's why it goes. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, just a couple of comments there from the uh, head of the list developments at the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers, David Walls, uh, Rowan O'Brien. Of course, Harley Reid, pretty happy uh, to head to Perth, and he'll be probably here in a day or so. And there'll be uh, no doubt a press conference, and uh, he'll be unveiled as the West Coast Eagles big name draftee. And people are calling him a generational player. I tell you, he's got big raps on the young kid. Uh, the expectations are so high, exceedingly high, for a young man who's yet to play in West Coast Eagles uh, jumper. But many people are forecasting he could be such a special talent as he grows into the club and grows into AFL football. As we take a break, don't forget you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. Of course, the Wildcats take on the Sydney Kings uh, at RAC Arena uh, this weekend in what promises to be a big match. Jump on board with the Wildcats. Check it online and become a member today. It's ten past five. We'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change the Don't change the Great to have you company. It is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Uh, and the draft continues. The West Coast Eagles have got another pick at number 49. At the moment, uh, we're at number 45. Uh, Joseph Fonte has gone to GWS. Uh, the Claremont youngster, uh, who, uh, as we know, is another West Australian. So congratulations to Joseph Fonte uh, from the Claremont Football Club. 
He's ended up at the Giants. And before that, Liam Fawcett from Central Districts in the South Australian National Football League has gone to the Tigers. As we mentioned at the moment, the Western Bulldogs are in action, selecting pick 45. The West Coast Eagles are up in pick 49. And Paul Heath will bring us up to date in just a moment. But let's welcome our first special guest because they're getting a lot of traction. They're sitting top of the A-League women's competition. We're talking our very own Perth Glory, undefeated in five games. And it was a special event last weekend because Natasha Rigby, the captain of the Perth Glory, celebrated her 100th game. Joining us is the coach in Alexa Parkas. Alex, thanks for your time. Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you. What a magnificent match last Saturday night. It was a real cliffhanger. We'll come to that in a moment. But it was a big build-up, wasn't there, with... uh, Natasha Rigby, the captain of the Perth Glory A-League women's side, celebrating her 100th game. Take us through the week that was and uh, how it was celebrated on the night. Well, it was uh, a pretty special occasion and it's a, it's a big milestone, or it was a big milestone for Tash. Um, I said throughout the week that 100 appearances in, in any code in Australian sport is, is a big achievement, but then to do it with one club... You know that's uh, it's rare. So I think that that speaks volumes of the type of character that Tash is and what this club means to her and and how her sort of values and uh, character translates into the team and and what it is we're about. So I thought it was really important to acknowledge that, and I thought the club did a fantastic uh, job in in making sure that it was understood and and you know marketing the the achievement that it was. And I was really really happy for Tash throughout the whole week. And then, it, yeah, culminated into a, a pretty impressive game for yeah, against Roman Victory. You know, I thought it was um, it was a big match and there was uh, a wave of different emotions and moments throughout the game. But, yeah, I thought it was a very Tash Rigby performance by the team. When you look at the game and the expectations, no doubt every player wanted to celebrate uh, the milestone in style with a victory. Did that put added pressure on the team, do you think, and maybe even yourself? No, I don't believe so. I think um, we were really clear in being able to separate what what the game plan was uh, and the importance of that game in isolation away from sort of any personal things, which which were sort of also byproducts of what the weekend um, was. I think that everyone wanted to put their best foot forward to give Tash the best chance to celebrate a strong performance, and we certainly all did that. Um, but I think if you look at the game more holistically, as I said, it was um, one that was fought very hard, and it was a, it was a really great game from both two strong teams. And uh, as I said, it probably couldn't reflect a, a, a Tash rugby effort more than what that fixture was. It was a classic game uh, from people that went and a good attendance here at Macedonia Park on Saturday night. It started well for the Perth Glory, 1-0 up there in the first half, courtesy of Hannah Lowry. But then the Melbourne victory came back with some vengeance, scoring back-to-back goals in the second half to lead by two goals to one. Tell us about your thinking at that stage of the match. And as we know, in the end, it ended up 2-2. But we'll come back to that dramatic finish in a moment. But when the Melbourne victory went 2-1 up midway through the second half, what was your thinking then? Look, I um, yeah, it was a lot to take because I thought throughout the game we, we certainly put our best foot forward and I think we had a large amount of control. And even after we scored the first goal, we created 10 to 12 penalty box entries after the goal. So we did enough to 
you know, hopefully to try and score a second and even a third to put the game to bed. And that's where I thought we were going. And then to concede two goals in the space of five minutes towards the back end of the half, I thought to myself, well, we we now have another test in front of us. We've got, we got five or ten minutes here to, to walk away with something. Um, and I, I actually really enjoyed seeing the team go through that because we're able to see the character and, and you know, all those really important words, the character, resilience and fight. Um, to try and get something out of the game, uh, and which we ended up doing, I thought it would have been very unjust if we walked away with nothing, considering how strong the performance was across the 90 minutes. Um, but as I said, whilst we may have dropped the, all three points, we definitely won a lot more uh, on the night, which was us being able to identify the fact that we can compete with the best team, um, you know, on paper in terms of experience, that is, compete with them over a, a full match. Lowe scored the second of her goals, a brace for Lowe of Melbourne victory after 84 minutes. And then we had time added on at the end of the game. And Hannah Lowry, who opened the scoring after 24 minutes, bobbed up again in the sixth minute of added time to make it 2-2. She's a fascinating player and such a talented player, the midfielder, isn't she? One of the local products. Well, I can't coach what she can do. Um, I think that's, you know, really, really important for me to say. We, we train the players and the team to have a certain structure, but how that structure comes to life is really up to the, the capacity and the ability of the players within it. And um, once we conceded the second goal, I sort of just gave some really brief instruction. I knew we were going to get another chance or two. So I thought to myself, well, let's get Hannah a little bit closer to goal. Let's get Susan a little bit closer to goal. Um, and hopefully with all those players being close together, they can combined to, to create you know, a little moment there, which hopefully we could ice, and that's exactly what ended up happening. It was um, a great bit of combination play from young Grace Johnston, you know, in the dying moments of the game to take the ball forward. She played it to Susan, who played it to Quinley, and there was a nice little combination on the edge of the box, and yeah, Hannah was able to score with pretty much the last kick of the game. It's a lot of pressure on a young player, but, yeah, I think that she's... She's ready for those types of moments and it's not the first time she's been able to sort of lift the team on her shoulders and come up with the goods. Talking to Alex Aparkas, the coach of the A-League Perth Glory women's team, I'll tell you what this tells me, and it happens whatever league that you play in when it comes to football, good teams find a way. Uh, And we've seen the Perth Glory, your team, find a way to get something out of this game. So I gather you must be proud with the development mentally that this team now possesses. Yep, couldn't yeah, couldn't agree more. I think um, where we've come from as a group and how we've evolved over recent seasons, um, instances like the weekend would have hit us, and we may not have had a counter a counter punch uh, or, or the ability to sort of come back from from something like that towards the end of the game. But as I said, I was really confident that you know with the extra time that was still ahead of us, five ten minutes that were left in the game. I could feel the group still had a certain level of steely focus about them where they backed themselves to at least get one more chance that we could convert. And uh, to be in that position is a really comforting one. Um, they, the players were exceptional to to show their resilience and, and to perform, you know, over a 90-minute period, as I said, against what I think is the most experienced team on paper, at least. Mm. I thought that that showed a lot. To, to ourselves that we, we, we're serious about what we're doing here. 
Unbeaten after five games, uh, joined top of the league with Melbourne City on 13 points. And then there's the Wellington Phoenix, who are your next opponent over there in New Zealand, who are third on nine points. Uh, the long-distance derby, this is going to be, again, another real challenge for your squad. Yeah, it is. And I think it's coming at a perfect time. Um, we had the challenge of, you know, the game on the weekend and, and the on-field battle that, that it was. And now we've got a different challenge ahead of us now, which is the, the logistics and the trip um, that's ahead of us. But, you know, I, I told the players we're to be really focused on, on the business at hand. Um, and we, we want to make sure that we we're able to compete and perform to the best of our ability, regardless whether that's at home or away whether that's in Australia or New Zealand, that, that shouldn't matter. We just want to make sure we're, we're clear on is what it is we're trying to do. And champion teams have to find ways to, to win games at their home or away. And we're, we're in a good place at the moment. When do you fly over, Alex? Uh, we head over on Thursday morning. Okay, so all day travelling on Thursday. Yeah. Will you have a training session at the venue on training Friday before on the game Friday. on Saturday? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's it. And then fly all the way back home on Sunday? Correct. Yeah, it's a long way, isn't it? Anyway, mate, it congratulations. It's a it's a fascinating start, and everybody uh, now is really getting on board with the A League Perth Glory women's team. Uh, you've taken them a long way. You will be taking them a long way from a, a geographical point of view uh, this weekend. Good luck for the match against the Wellington Phoenix, and we'll keep in touch here on SENWA Sports Drive. Thanks, Pete. Good on you, Alex Aparkas, uh, joining us. Uh, he's a very good operator, and they're going great guns at the moment, top of the A-League. Uh, we're going to get an update from Paul Heath on the other side of the break on the uh, draft. I see that one of our employees has actually been picked up in the draft. Uh, a Lachlan Smith, he's been picked up in the draft uh, by the Western Bulldogs. No, only tongue-in-cheek. That's the name of our commercial director here. Uh, just updating sport firstly for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side -side brand. Uh, for people that go back to the black and white days, uh, a bit of a sad news today. Carlton's Ted Hopkins, who won the VFL Premiership with the Blues in 1970, has passed away at the age of 74. The Rover turned forward, was famous for sparking a sec stunning second-half revival in that 1970 decide against Collingwood, coming off the bench as the Blues overcame a 44-point deficit to win the flag. The, uh, the def deficit that's regarded the greatest deficit uh, in, of course, a grand final. Goes down in folklore now, that match. Uh, Hopkins scored three of Carlton's seven goals in a phenomenal 10-minute burst at the start of the third quarter, adding another in the fourth quarter as Carlton won by 10 points in front of a record crowd of 121,696. It's interesting, that was Hopkins' 28th game of just 29 senior VFL appearances for the Blues with his retiring before his 21st birthday. He retired. That update... Going back into the archives of the VFL AFL for Polaris, plate clearance deals on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. We'll update the draft on the other side of this. This is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos, thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range.
and Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yeah, great to have you company. Uh, it is Sports Day WA, Peter Vlahos on this Tuesday, the second day of the AFL 2023 draft. We're here for Kia uh, EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Let's update the draft. The Eagles are just about to have selection number 49 in the draft. We're here for Irrigear is here to save time and water. And Paul Heath is back in the studio heater. Hello, Pete. They've taken Harvey Johnston with uh, pick 49. He's a midfielder. That's about all I know from him at the Sandringham moment. Sandringham Dragons. Fantastic. From the Mordialic Brayside Junior Football Club. Great to so see them get go. some more talent in, and uh, especially in the engine room. And uh, we'll see how he goes from there. But uh, there's been plenty of bolters today, as uh, Bryant was saying out in the production booth. And also Geelong have taken a rookie of their own, aged 26 years old, Pete. Geelong has. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, who is it? Uh, that was Sean Manor. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. You're trying to stitch me up with the other name, mate. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But WA's up to seven uh, players so far drafted. So just a recap of that. Daniel Curtin, pick number eight to the Adelaide Crows. Colton Throlstrop, pick number 13. He's going to Melbourne. Of course, the Dockers tried to move back into the first round to try and gain access to him, but were unsuccessful. Riley Hardiman was taken at pick number 23. He's on his way to North Melbourne. Be loving that. Uh, Lance Collard, who unfortunately both WA teams missed out on from Subiaco. He's going to the Saints at pick 28. Mitch Edwards was uh, one of the first drafted on night two of the draft, uh, pick number 32. He's going to Geelong. That's fantastic for him. Clay Hall is staying in WA at pick number 38 on his way to the West Coast Eagles. And Joe Fonte from Claremont has joined the GWS Giants with pick number 44. So fantastic to see, you know, lucky number seven so far for WA. Maybe a couple more mm. left in uh, the last couple of picks, but we haven't seen any passes yet. So looking forward to when we see... I see Hawthorne have pick 52, pick 53. Three. I reckon and, the And third. the Eagles, it'd be interesting to see if the Eagles still have... Uh, they've got 66, and mm. whether we go that deep regarding the West Coast Eagles. That'll be the tough one, I think, to uh, wait and see if that happens. I think we got through to about number 42 the last time I was here with you, mm -hmm. Pete. So mm -hmm. that was Luke Lloyd uh, going to the Brisbane Lions. He's a forward from Sandringham. Pick 43, Richmond. Liam Fawcett, the key forward from the Central Districts. Uh, number 44, as we were saying just before, a double uh, player, Joe Fonte, medium-sized defender, joining the GWS Giants from Claremont. The Western Bulldogs took Joel Freyer, a winger from GWV Rebels. Uh, we get to Hawthorne at pick 46. They took Bodie Ryan from Glenelg, so they've uh, invested in some South Australian talent there. Number 47, out to the Western Bulldogs. Lockie Smith, as you were saying, a ruckman. Big man, that's for sure, from the Gippsland Power. And uh, we saw Collingwood as well, Pete, with uh, it's not actually updating in front of me, unfortunately, and I promise that's not me trying to get out of it. I do want to have a crack at it. Here it is. Thomas and oh, <laughs> Thomas Anastopoulos. Yep, that's good. How about that? Yeah, you've done well. Would you've I uh, well. would I be accepted within the community, Pete? Yes, you would. <laughs> that pronunciation, well done. From the Geelong <laughs> Falcons, he goes. And it was mentioned at 49, Harvey Johnston. Uh, Hugo Garcia has just been Jeez, picked up uh, as a, well by St Kilda. That's a good name as well, Hugo Garcia. I'd love to see it. And uh, yeah, so plenty uh, of players getting picked 
picked up. Plenty of bolters being thrown around the place as well. But, uh, yeah, I think we're getting into that sort of pass zone, are we? We're, we're not too far away from that happening. But teams like Brisbane haven't had a whole lot of uh, picks at it. I think this might be their second one, actually, mm. that they've had so far in the draft. So they'll be one of the clubs still utilising their picks. But um, from here, we'll wait and see if uh, the uh, any more WA players get picked up. Good on you, Heater. Thanks for that. Just uh, while we're just waiting for a couple more to drop, one thing that's very interesting, and I might touch on this uh, maybe even tomorrow or certainly next week, is a special event uh, happening here in the West Australian football community on November the 29th where there will be the unveiling of the WA Italian Team of the Century. Now, we're talking about West Australian Aussie rules footballers here. Uh, and the selection panel is Ron Alexander, Dennis Cometti, Tony McHale, who, of course, has got Italian heritage, as has Cometti, Steve Malaxis as well. So uh, as well as that, George McCalchick, Polish heritage, and John Townsend. So that's a selection panel. There's 152 wow. names that have been uh, selected uh, to be considered for basically to be in the WA Italian team of the century. On the night, it will be whittled down to 50. There'll be 50 finalists, and then uh, 22 will be unveiled in what's going to be a special occasion a bit later on. So it's interesting. I didn't know that Aaron Black has Italian heritage, being his mum. Alan Johnson, who was a very good player for the Perth Football Club in their glory years, also has got uh, a mother who's of Italian heritage. They have been uh, nominated. Then there's the likes of, as we know, from the old... uh, Players, Brian Sicatosto from South Fremantle, Billy Valley from West Perth, Wally Matera, as we know, who played for the West Coast Eagles, and Fitzroy is there. And Michael Mitchell, the high-flying Claremont player, who, of course, has got an Indigenous father but has an Italian mother. And that surprises me as well. So there you go. We're going to touch on that. That's always uh, a lot of conjecture regarding those team of the centuries when it comes to ethnicity. And we're looking at the Italians that formed the WAFL predominantly here in Western Australia over the past century. Have we got uh, a great team being named at any point, Pete? Are you putting your hand up for maybe as a selector? I know there's one in the VFL. <laughs> I know there's one in the VFL, but I'm not sure there's one in the WAFL. And just repeating the news that I mentioned earlier is that Carlton's Ted Hopkins, who won the VFL Premiership with Carlton in 1970, has passed away age 74. One thing I didn't know, that uh, he only played 29 senior VFL games. All right, uh, Paul Heath, before we actually just uh, take a break and come back with Christina Matthews, who's got some very interesting news regarding the Wacker. Again, let's just update what's happened in the last few minutes at the AFL draft today. So we've seen West Coast with pick 49. They've taken Harvey Johnston uh, from the Sandringham Dragons. Uh, Hugo Garcia went with pick 50 to the Saints. And, oh, we have, we're up to number eight for the WA players, Zane Zekalewski has gone to the Brisbane Lions. From Claremont. Yeah, that's fantastic to see. North Beach Footy Club is where he got picked from. Awesome to see the WA connection stay within the Brisbane Lions and, uh, you know, there's been big raps on him. He would, you know, we're talking about the bolters. He would definitely be a bit of a slider and as they're saying on the uh, coverage as well, he's a bargain buy for uh, the Brisbane Lions there. We've just seen another trade as well. Mm. Looks like Port have moved up to pick 52, so... Wonder who they're 
got their eyes on, yeah. ears on. All right, we might come back to that a bit later on. Thanks, Paul Heath, uh, there for Irrigear, offers expert advice and better ing- irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. Welcome back to Sports Day WA. You're with Peter Vlahos here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year. And our friends at Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. I don't know what it is about the whacker. I know it's under development at the moment and you can see mounds of sand and there's construction going down. But on the field, there's some exciting cricket being played. And as we know, last night in the Marsh Cup, came down to the final over and WA got over South Australia with uh, Sam Whiteman, the captain, scoring a brilliant unbeaten century. A lot happening in uh, cricket circles and joining us is one of our familiar friends uh, in the CEO of the WA Cricket Association in Christina Matthews. Christina, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Always happy to talk to you. What a great game last night. Yeah, it was terrific. It, it was a really good game um, with an exciting finish. Um, I did feel sorry for Harry Hunt from South Australia. Oh, I did too. Yeah. Quite oh. a bit. Um, but outstanding effort from um, Sam Whiteman, who was deputising for Ashton Turner as captain, getting his first um, one-day 100, and, and what a 100 it was. Yeah, it was an outstanding performance by uh, Sam Whiteman. And you're right, Harry Hunt. Unfortunately, uh, things like that happen, and he was under the spotlight last night, and no doubt uh, his teammates would have rallied around him and say it can happen to the best of us on any given day. Let's have a look at the WBBL. There's a special event tomorrow, but firstly, let's find out where our WBBL Perth Scorchers team is placed. They are top of the tree, and they've already qualified for the WBBL finals, which is terrific. Yeah, uh, it's been a a good year. Um, So, yeah, we've qualified, and the Adelaide Strikers uh, are qualified. We're both sitting on the same number of points, but we've got a, a, a much better... Um, uh, run rate um, and uh, the next two day- games are crucial. We've got Melbourne Stars tomorrow and then the Adelaide Strikers in Adelaide on Friday. So our destiny is essentially in our own hands and uh, um, hopefully we can um, uh, score another um, finals hosting gig here in um, WA. Yeah, no, certainly looking forward to tomorrow's match. Melbourne Stars as we know, without Meg Lanning, who's just taking a bit of a break from competitive cricket at the moment, and we wish her well. Uh, the Perth Scorch is taking on the Melbourne Stars in the Crown Pride match. I know you tried to get this off the ground last year, Christina, against the Hobart Hurricanes, but the Elements in the end won the day. Yeah, we get the, the game got washed out. Um, there was a lot of good promotion around it and, and sort of an advance notice of what was going to happen. So really good feedback around the concept. This year, we've been um, uh, really thrilled to have Crown come on board as the match day sponsor. Um, they're very um, big on inclusion and uh, they have their annual Pride lunch and uh, uh, we approached them and, that, and they were quick to jump on board and... and um, spread the um, message of inclusion. So it'll be a fantastic um, day tomorrow. First ball being bowled at 10 minutes past five, 39 degrees at this stage to forecast top for tomorrow. And let's hope the calling breeze is in by then. So it'll be a terrific night, actually, under the lights there at the Wacker. Yeah, it will be. 
plenty. I mean, uh, 10 past five, uh, lovely, obviously still be warm, but those sort of nights in Perth are, are fantastic and uh, we hope to see a, a good crowd um, down here and people being part of the um, festivities. So um, uh, the, the players um, will be part of a, a grand entrance, as we did last year for our Pride Games for the men and women. And uh, our ambassador for tomorrow is Lisa Griffith and for the men in January is AJ Ty again. So, yeah, it's building into quite a nice feature event. Yeah, and it's important as the WACA continues its mission, I suppose, to ensure that everybody is welcome uh, down there at the WACA ground. Yeah, I think that's, you know, sometimes that's missed in today's world that we need to um, uh, be inclusive of everybody. And, um, you know, that kind of sense of entitlement from years ago is long gone. And, you know, you want to create safe, and inclusive environments. And I think it's the secret source to our success. Um, it, it's driven by our players and our staff, um, and I think it sets us apart a bit. It's just really one part of, I suppose, a wider commitment from the West Australian Cricket Association to champion their inclusivity, and you're doing a great job. I see last year uh, they were going to don rainbows in the form of hat pins, multicoloured shoelaces, socks, ribbons. Is that going to be the case again tomorrow? Yeah, it's, um, it comes down to personal choice for the player. So they can choose how they want to represent Pride in the way that's most comfortable for them. I think um, Pride jerseys are great. Um, we just don't have the opportunity from a manufacturing point of view to do that. And I probably think it's worked out well for us because people like to acknowledge it in um, different ways. And, um, you know, it's the same with the crowd. We'll have things for, for them. There'll be lots of colour and movement. There's no doubt about that. Are you working closely and have you worked closely with the WA organisation Living Proud as you did last year? Yeah, we're working with a number of um, of those organisations and um, we, we take advice and leadership from um, them on how to approach um, the issue and also to learn and educate. So we do sessions um, th throughout the year with our staff um, and, uh, in fact, I'm talking to our players in just a little while uh, about this, the players who weren't here last year. Um, but, you know, it's part of education as well as, as um, life changes as it does. It does. Uh, saying that, uh, a great moment for Australian cricket overall, winning the World Cup the other night in Ahmedabad in India. What a fantastic result that was for Australian cricket, uh, beating India, who went into that final unbeaten. Yeah, look, uh, it's absolutely unbelievable win. Even on the night, people were questioning what's what's he doing, um, bowling first and all that sort of stuff. And they started so poorly. I was probably one of those very un-Australian people who said they haven't got a chance. Um, and game by game, they, they built and... and uh, you know, they represented Australia very proudly on, on Sunday night and got the job done. And, uh, you know, keeping 130,000 Indian fans quiet is not easy, but they did it. What's going to be a real fill-up uh, the way I see it here, Christina? We saw the Matildas uh, play in the FIFA Women's World Cup, but they didn't play here. And we know recently they played in some Olympic qualifiers here in Perth and mm -hmm. the fans came out. Now, this will be the first opportunity for the Perth fans to see the Australian cricket team after that World Cup success in the first test against Pakistan. Surely it's going to be a bonus for the test match. Yeah, well, the West Test 
test, as, as it's now called, I, I think, um, will be the first um, uh, will be the first state that gets a chance to recognise these players after retaining the Ashes, winning the World Test Championship, and, and now the World Cup. And um, you know, I think it's uh, it's really important that the people of WA come out and support one international Test cricket. Everybody says they love Test cricket, but we have to sort of get to the game and show that support. Um, we're doing a lot of work to ensure that a special Western Australian event. Um, so there's a differentiator um, with the other tests. So um, hopefully everybody gets out and support, and it's a rare opportunity to be able to acknowledge the wins over the last um, six or seven months. Did you go to the Coldplay concert here at Optus Stadium on the weekend? Yes, yes, I did. It was it was unbelievable, and it, uh, Chris Martin is a well-known cricket fan. So yes, I was actually there both mate. on Saturday night. He called out Justin Langer and Dennis Lilly, and then of course on Sunday night he did a tribute to um, Shane Warne, um, and uh, you know it was fabulous. Uh, unfortunately, if we do qualify to host the women's BBL or the WBBL final, we can't play it at Optus Stadium because of the concert. Um, so it will be here at the Wacker Ground. Um, and uh, you may remember last time we, we played the final, we had 15,500 um, mm. there. So, um, but these things, uh, it's important for WA to have big events and you can't be selfish about it. And uh, the important thing is that we get to host and then we win, no matter where it's played. So saying that, that leads to my last, uh, next question, possibly my final on the WBBL final. If we do get there, it's played at the Wacker. In what state yeah. will the Wacker um, well, the southern, uh, the, the playing surface and the southern part of the ground will be in top shape. Mm -hmm. The northern side of the ground is, uh, as you probably know, is heavily under construction. Um, so we'll probably have a capacity of around 5,000. Um, oh, no, a little bit more with the grass banks at, at that game, but uh, not the capacity um, we would have had um, over at Optus Stadium, which if we can, we would always play our finals over there. Which concert is it, by the way, Christine? You got me thinking. It was Coldplay because the wickets can't go in. Oh, yes. Okay. Chris Martin. Yeah, so the wickets, the, oh, the okay. wickets are going in this week and they won't be settled in time for the final um, the weekend after this one. Oh, okay. There you go. The yeah. I thought it was actually a concert on uh, that weekend, but it's more about the dropping wickets going in and they won't be settled yeah, in time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, okay. delayed putting the wickets in. Fantastic. Okay. Oh, doesn't matter. Well, I suppose when it comes to a final, uh, as they say, we'll play them anywhere. And in this case, it'll be the Wacker. And no doubt it'll be packed to capacity. So it'll be terrific. Yeah, that well, look, I really appreciate the The public have been great at our four matches to date. It's been terrific. So uh, uh, if we get to host a final, um, I look forward to people coming out and supporting it. And we thank you very much for supporting us here on Sports Day WA, Christina. Thanks for your time and good luck with the Crown Pride match tomorrow night. Thank you very much. Christina Matthews joining us here on SENWA's Sports Day WA. So get down tomorrow. The Perth Scorchers against the Melbourne Stars in the WBBL match. Game 13, it is the Crown Pride match. First ball will be bowled at 10 minutes past five. Just before I go, here's a quick community update. Thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and prepare this bushfire season, taking into consideration that we're going to have gusty easterly winds overnight and a maximum of around 39 tomorrow. It's going to be hot all week. So stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online. With the Department of Fire and Emergency Services, visit dfes.wa.gov.au. 
That's dfes.wa.gov.au. And this community update is thanks to New Fire Coat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions, and it's available at Bunnings Warehouse. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Paul Heath, my producer, for putting the show together, and also to Bryant for being the panel operator. Here for Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. And, of course, we've brought you right up to date with what's happened with the AFL draft, with the... uh, Second round and the other rounds actually unfolding uh, this afternoon. Thanks for your time. I'll be back again tomorrow at 5 right here on SENWA.